you know what? The church could use some therapy. And I want to talk to you about why it's okay to go from the pew to the couch every now and again. I'm Narkia, the clinical therapist with the Holy Spirit Flex. I understand what it means to love God, but to struggle with the human experience. Here, I lay the issues all out on the table. But don't worry, I don't leave you hanging. You're going to hear how to overcome with more understanding, new perspective, and the clinical, spiritual, and practical solutions. Take a seat. This is Therapy for Church. Hello and welcome back to Therapy for Church, the podcast. We are in season one, episode eight, and in this segment, we are talking about grief and grieving pains. Now, this is a time of year that we really see people experiencing a lot of grief, usually due to loss of loved ones, especially around the holidays. So I really want to take some time to acknowledge that I see this occurring and then also to really provide some help and some understanding and some solutions around grief because I hear things a lot of times and I know where it comes from, but I also know that some of these things that we hear and that we say are not necessarily true or they don't have to be true. So one thing that I hear a lot when it comes to grief is that grief lasts forever. Grief never ends. Grief always hits you. And that can be true, but that does not have to be true. Grief lasts forever if you allow grief to last forever. Now, before I really get into this conversation, I want to let you know that I am not unsympathetic to those of you that are grieving or have experienced grief, even if it's been a very long time. I am actually very sympathetic to your feelings um, and your emotions behind the grief that you're experiencing. And this is why I want to have this conversation and have this topic, because I really don't want for people to think that they have to be bound by anything. So we talked a couple episodes back in our Destiny Destroyers episode about oppression. And oppression is just anything that keeps you bound, that keeps you stuck, that keeps you weighed down. And so grief can also be oppressive if you allow it to be oppressive. So that's why I really wanna 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 talk about this. It's not because I'm desensitized to grieving. It's not because I think that, you know, um, that it's easy or it's simple, but I wanna give you some understanding and I wanna give you some strategies and I wanna give you some solutions because I want you to live and I want you to live in a, in a way that you are free and that you are unbound. Now, when we think about grief, we think about that experience that we have after losing a family member or a loved one. But I want to also share with you, as you listen to this conversation, as you listen to these strategies, I want you to understand that this applies across situations. So don't feel like, okay, well, I didn't lose anybody or I'm not grieving that loss, that you're not still experiencing grief. Sometimes we experience grief from the loss of a job, from the loss of a particular relationship, um, from loss after a divorce, 
So there are multiple life circumstances, even a friendship, um, even if you leave a certain ministry or a church and have some some pain behind that, you can still be grieving that experience. OK, so I want you to really understand that and take this and apply it to all of these life transitions that can happen that can cause you to experience grief. So the seven stages of grief model really comes from um, psychological studies and evidence-based research about the average person that is experiencing grief, typically from the loss of a person. And so in this um, model, there are seven standard stages that people go through. So I'm not gonna really go into detail um, about each of these stages, but I want to let you know what they are. I want you to have a picture of what this cycle um, for some people typically look like so that if you have experienced grief, you can kind of make a connection to what you may have experienced. So the first stage is shock or disbelief. This is when someone typically gets the news or update about a loss and there's a period of numbness. You don't really feel much of anything in those first few moments. After that is denial. There is that period of saying or thinking this cannot be true. This can't be the case. It's not real. It's not really happening. Then there is anger. This is not a universal, you know, emotion during the grief process, but it is typical for some people that are experiencing grief, especially after a sudden loss. There is usually anger followed by hearing that news because, you know, you question really why, why is this happening? You know, this is not, it, it should not be happening. So anger is the third stage in this process. The fourth stage is bargaining. And that often refers to attempts to make a deal or with God and to change the situation. There is, you know, if you bring this person back, if you change the situation, then I will do this. So there's oftentimes a period of bargaining within the grief process. After that, there typically comes guilt. And I want you to remember this part, all right? I want you to really remember this part because this is the access point for oppression. Guilt and shame, I'm gonna put this plug in here right now. Guilt and shame during the grieving process is the access point for oppression. Say that for you one more time. Guilt that occurs during the grieving process is an access point for oppression. This is the part that keeps people stuck most of the time. So this is where someone thinks, I should have loved this person more, I should have done more, if I were a better uh, parent or daughter or son or aunt or uncle, if I were a better person, then I could have prevented this from happening, or I didn't see this coming. Um, all of these different things, if, you, if it's a job loss, if I were a better employee, I didn't know, you know, I, it's my fault. That's what, that's what that guilt says. This is my fault that this has happened. This is my fault that this person has died. This is my, uh, my fault that I'm getting divorced. All of these emotions occur. 
And so that is really that entry point. It's not the only reason, but it's that entry point for really being bound in grief. Okay. All right. So uh, the sixth stage in that grieving process is usually some feelings of sadness and depression. We are going to really feel sad when, when there is a loss. Okay, I don't want for anybody to think you cannot feel sad. That is an emotion that we experience and you are going to experience sadness in your lifetime. So that sadness and depression, we get that. We just don't want to stay there. All right. Then the last one, the last stage is acceptance and hope. So I really want you to also like tune into this phase too, because in this research, right, in this psychological research that we have, this evidence-based research that we have, we see that there is a period of time of acceptance and hope, all right? So this signifies, this right here really signifies that grief does have an ending point because there is acceptance and hope at the end of these stages. So those are the stages that we know from our psychological practice, but you know I wanna put some biblical perspective to this and, some, and give you some scripture. So in the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells us um, that there's a time and a season for everything. And it specifically tells us that there is a time to um, weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So that gives us some of our context as believers to say that this is not something that is enduring. There's a period of time and a season where this should last and then it should move on and become something else. So instead of mourning now, we have dancing. Instead of weeping now, we have laughing. Another um, reference of scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 61, where it talks about us, about us having a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. And when we refer to the spirit of heaviness, when we see that in the Bible, what we're thinking about clinically, what I'm thinking about applying that to clinically is depression. So you have a period of time, just how we talked about in these stages where that's, there's that, the, that sadness and depression stage, the Bible calls it despair. We have that and we get that, but we also understand that there is praise instead of despair. And we also understand that there is joy instead of mourning. So if you are going through life and you're experiencing grief and you're only experiencing the sadness and the despair that comes um, after that, then it means that something has gone wrong in the process. And what, and I can tell you right now what has gone wrong. There has not been fully processing of the guilt stage of grief. A lot of times when grief continues to linger for an extended period of time, it is because there is some sort of attachment to that person or that uh, ministry or that um, relationship, whatever, the, you know, may be causing the grief for you. There is an attachment of guilt or shame related to that person, place or thing. 
So now, instead of being able to move through feeling, um, just kind of feeling sorrowful for that period of time and then moving forward, that you're stuck. So now in the stuck stage, there's guilt and then there's the depression and you can't get out of it because the guilt is still there. And so even though these stages don't tip always take place one by one, it's stop and finish, start and go, it typically takes place in this order. But if they are, if you're seeing parts of these stages are you know, piling up on top of the other one, that is a problem because you haven't fully made it through a part of that stage. And so sometimes we think that, okay, I, I miss this person. When we're talking about the death of loved ones, I miss this person. I really want them, want them here. We will experience that from time to time. That may come back at a period of time or during a, per uh, a holiday. But here is the problem when, that, when those things come up. What does it do to you? How do you respond? Are you able to move forward or do you feel like you're bound and that you're stuck? Do you feel like, I, I hear all the time, I, I don't know how I can go forward. I don't know how I can move on. And after the loss of a loved one, you have to go forward and you have to move on and you should be able to do that. But what happens sometimes is there's some guilt associated with moving on. If I love this person that much, then I should I should always want them there. I should feel bad if I'm happy and they're and they're gone. And that is a, um, a, a faulty thought process. But I have seen it. The anniversary of somebody's death comes up and I will have, you know, a client that says, oh, well, I thought I was going to feel a lot worse than I actually feel. It's OK to be able to move on and live past the death of a loved one. It is OK. And as a matter of fact, it is necessary. It is what you should do. It is the acceptable response. But if you are stuck in feeling like this is not acceptable for me to move on or feeling like you didn't make amends, maybe there was something that was said that was, you know, inappropriate or some type of contention before a person died or before leaving um, a job or a ministry or something that you had going or a relationship or friendship maybe that that is still lingering and so you really want to be able to deal with any guilt or any shame related to a person any unforgiveness that is a big deal when it comes to moving on and being able to go past the grief process sometimes people find themselves grieving people that they were never even close to and the reason that that is the case is because of unforgiveness they are grieving the fact that they never really w were able to have that relationship, that this person maybe never apologized for harming you. So that is a contributing to the grief of this person. There's unanswered questions. Maybe you're thinking like, I wanted to be able to talk through this or work this out. Um, maybe the, uh, per the person wasn't in your life like they should have been, or you weren't in theirs. There are so many different factors and reasons why this process can be lingering, but it should not be. And I think one of the major um, issues is that there are times when we think, well, I should feel this way. I should be this sad. I should be this broken. I know it's been a year. I know it's been two years. I know it's been 12 years, but I'm still broken up about this. And really there is a time and a period 
that you should experience that mourning and that sadness and then there is a time and a period where you should be dancing and you should be laughing so if you aren't getting to that period of joy and gladness and praise and dancing that means this is what identifies that you are being oppressed by grief so let's get into the solutions the first solution for overcoming grief is forgiveness that is number one is forgiveness you need to be able to forgive both yourself and that other person or persons for anything that was done or not done before that loss forgiveness is key so you need to start with forgiving yourself anything that you feel like you might be guilty of anything you feel that may have contributed to the loss you need to give yourself the grace and forgive yourself for that and anything that you feel like that person or those people have been guilty of or anything that they did that contributed to the loss you have to forgive them for it too and let me explain this to you and i've said this before but not sure if i share this on the podcast at all but forgiveness is a decision it is not a feeling you do not have to feel any type of way to be able to forgive somebody you really only have to make a decision to do that and you need to act on that decision and everything after that is a result of that decision to forgive now here's a model for forgiveness that i want you to use because you might be saying or thinking like i don't know what to say or I don't know how to do that, I'm trying to forgive a person, but I really just am not ready to do that. You are ready as soon as you make a decision to forgive them, then you are ready. You can still have emotions attached to that person and still be ready to forgive them as long as you make a decision to do that. So I'm gonna um, go through this, I'm gonna just use a name, I'm gonna use Jane, so you can hear how this sounds. So the model is that you say, I forgive, you say, the person's name you say what they did or did not do to and for you and then you release them so it sounds like this I forgive Jane for abandoning me for speaking against me um, for causing me strife and causing me you know um, difficulty in my life and I expected her to to be there for me and she was not I make a decision right now to forgive her and I release her that I'm not be for bound by unforgiveness as it relates to Jane I forgive myself for holding on to that for having a grudge and for everything that I did to contribute to the loss of that relationship and I release myself also into this seat of forgiveness and I make a decision to move forward all right so that's how you do that so I want you to take that model and I want you to think of every single person and I know we're talking about grief. Maybe this is not some, a, a loss that you've experienced, but maybe you just need to do this so that you're not oppressed, period. It doesn't have to be oppressed by grief. You, if you um, are, are walking in unforgiveness, there is a potential for you to be oppressed. 
So I want you to think of everybody that may have done something to you. Maybe you feel some type of way about, maybe they made a comment. It might seem like it wasn't a big deal, but it could still be affecting you. I want you to get, grab those people's names. I want you to put them in that, that model that I gave you. And I want you to verbally forgive those people so that you experience freedom from being oppressed by anything, okay? The second solution is to monitor how you are coping with the sadness. So I understand that for some of us, we're gonna experience sadness in maybe some um, periods of depression as it relates to grief, but we wanna be able to look at how we're dealing with that. I'm gonna tell you right now that when you are dealing with grief, isolation is your enemy. Gonna repeat that. When you are dealing with grief, isolation is your enemy you might feel the desire to be by yourself most of the time or all of the time but you need to run in the opposite direction of that the people around you that can uplift you and encourage you that can help you to laugh and experience life and joy are the people that you want to have around you when you are grieving if you find yourself for an extended period of time hours um, in a day um, after you know some time has passed and there's still hours in a day where you are crying and you are alone you want to be able to pull yourself out of that get around some other people and not accept that so what happens is we understand that we're going to be sad and then we accept a certain level of emotions that we do have the ability to control and the mindset is well I can't control my emotions in the reality is that a lot of times we can just a few easy things that you can do that may not seem like it means a whole lot but i promise you it really does you know spend some time outside getting that sunlight getting that vitamin d enjoying nature will bring some perspective to what you're dealing with spending time around family journaling you know write about how you feel talk about how you feel a lot of times people feel like well i shouldn't really talk about it um and it it is freeing to talk about and to expose those feelings i'll probably do a whole nother episode on exposure because p most of us feel like exposure is a bad thing no we don't want to blurt our business out on you know everywhere but there is a freeing aspect to exposure so being able to talk about things either in a confidential environment with a therapist or a counselor or with a close friend or family member that you know and that will receive you um, while you're going through that process. Okay, so those are just a, a few easy things. Laughing, put on some of the things, fine, pull up your favorite comedians on TV or on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or wherever you watch people and you laugh at, at certain things, pull that up. That this is the time that you look at that. Don't feel like most people will go in the other direction and feel like this is my time of being sad. No, you can make a decision that that's not how you want to feel. And then everything you do after that is based on that decision. And so that takes me into our third and final solution for this segment, which is to make a decision that grief will not keep you bound. A lot of times we really feel like things 
think everything is outside of our control. And when it comes to our emotions and our feelings, there are many times that we have more control over that than what we think. There are things that our mouths are, are doing to cause us, our voice, our words are doing to cause us to be, to feel worse. When it comes to our emotions, there's um, the atmosphere. It's what we're looking at and what we're listening to. I gave this example before about the, the type of music. You can all think about, you know, when you had that real bad breakup from that person that you thought was going to be your first love and, you know, and you got your slow jams playing and you're going through it and you have made a decision that you're sulking in this uh, in these emotions and that happens a lot of times with grief as well even when you miss a person you don't have to feel bound and oppressed and you don't have to feel like that um like the the sadness piece of it and the guilt piece of it will last forever you might miss them for years on out i have no problem with you missing a person you should you know if that person made an impact on your life it's okay to miss them but what where it gets um a little um where it gets a little difficult is when you can't move on, you can't fully function in the way that you used to or progress at all. You're stuck in a time and space. And so you're not actually moving forward. So even if you're up every day and you're working and you're, you feel like your vision and dreams are cut off because that person's, that person is gone. You feel like you can't really have the energy to do things. You feel like you can't reach any milestones because that person was there cheering you on. And that's where we get off when it comes to grief, because then when you can't celebrate Christmas and, or, or holidays and you can't celebrate, you know, uh, milestones and achievements and accomplishments because of that person or that loss, and you can't actually move forward and, and contribute and continue in life because of that personal loss, then that is where grief has become oppressive. So when you make a decision that this will not keep you bound, then you take steps to do something different. You make sure that you're surrounded by positive people. You make sure that you're focusing on your goals and that you're not sitting in your um, in any type of self-pity or any lasting extended periods of time of, of sadness because you, you probably will get sad from time to time and that's okay but there are times when pe when we're crying two three four days seven days in a row you know for hours at a time and that is oppressive nobody wants to be in a position where you are that sad where you are that down when you feel that sad and you feel that down it is because it, it you are being oppressed and I want you to get that because I don't ever want you to accept that there are those people that have accepted and some of and you may be listening to this so I want to speak directly to you you may have said accepted that sadness or, or depression is a part of who you are or that loss that you experience really shaped who you are and you really cannot continue and go on and you need this person and you know life is not worth living without this person and I want to say to you no that is not the case because you still have purpose you still have things that you have to do and accomplish and you have to continue to move forward and live your life and enjoy life and laugh through life and experience 
experience life even after that loss. And I'm here to tell you that you can do it and that you will do it. Yes, so we are wrapping up this segment for today. I hope it really blessed and helped you. Make sure you share the podcast, guys. Follow me on socials, Narkia Bird on um, Facebook and on Instagram, Therapy for Church on Instagram as well. Follow the podcast, share, let me know your thoughts. I've been getting some people some thoughts and comments about some of the previous episodes. So continue to do that. Continue to ask your questions and I'd be happy to answer them. And until next time, God bless you and have a wonderful day.